0: What do you think of when you hear the word battle? What do you think of when you hear the word battle? Maybe some of you think about this, a battle in the boxing ring. By the way, Rocky's coming back. He's not done yet. Maybe some of you think about this, a battle in the courtroom between two attorneys, or maybe it's a battle between two political candidates could be a battle with your boss, or a battle between a husband and a wife. Some of you are facing this kind of battle, or you have in the past, a battle between a parent and a teenager. Or maybe the battle that you think of today is a battle with your health. Or maybe it's a financial battle that you feel like you're losing. We know this, we live in a world that is filled with battles, and the battles are not just out there, the battles are in here, aren't they? Battles of the heart, because we battle with all kinds of things, with, with anxiety, with anger, with addictions, we battle doubt, we battle discouragement, sometimes we battle depression. Today we're going to look at a battle in the Bible, it's called the Battle of Jericho. And I'm very excited about this message because there are some things in this battle that we need to know so that we can fight the battles in our lives today. And I want to remind you once again that the foundation for this series is found in a verse in the New Testament. It's Romans 15, 4. And it says this, everything written in the past, referring to these Old Testament stories, everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance, And the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This is a story of hope. So let's take a look at the story so we can figure out how to fight the battles in our lives today. We're gonna begin in chapter 5, verse 13, and this is what we read. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, let me just hit the pause button because there's much more to this story, but I want to make some initial observations about things we learned from the story. And the first is this. Like Joshua, we have a battle to fight. Joshua is outside Jericho. There is a battle pending. Now, Jericho was the most important city in the Jordan Valley. And it stood in the way of Israel taking possession of the land God promised them. So let me ask you this. What stands in the way of you taking possession of the life God has promised you. Because God has promised that if you follow Jesus, you can have a new life, a different kind of life. God's promised that if you decide to follow Jesus, that your past is settled. God's promised that your future is assured, and God has promised to give you wisdom and strength for every battle you fight in your life today. So the question is, what is keeping you from living that kind of life? To put it another way, what is your Jericho? Now I want you to think about that. In fact, I want to encourage you to do this. If you've got a pen, write down a word, a phrase, could be a couple of letters, just to remind you of a battle in your life right now. And as I said, it could be a lot of different things. Maybe your battle is with anger or anxiety. Maybe there's a relationship in your life and walls have gone up, and what you want desperately is for those walls to fall down? You want that relationship to be restored and healed? What is your Jericho this morning? And church, we need to realize this, that we shouldn't be surprised by the battles that we face. Jesus said, in this world, you will have a rose garden. Is that what he said? Not by a long shot, he said, in this world, you will have what, starts with letter T? Trouble, who has trouble? In their lives, Jesus said, be on the lookout, you're going to face trouble. He said, but, take courage, I have overcome the world. See, the fact is, we are born into a world at war. There is a kingdom, it's the kingdom of God, and this kingdom is in conflict with the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God battles the kingdom of Satan. He's also called the devil, the adversary. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, it says this, that our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a battle going on around us every single day. And there's also a battle going on inside us every single day. When God says, If you follow Jesus, you'll get a new life. That's absolutely true. You'll get a new heart. That's absolutely true. You'll get a new nature. That's absolutely true. But your new nature battles against your old nature. And every time you face temptation, you get a front row seat to watch the battle unfold. There was a story about this Indian brave, and he came to the chief of the tribe, and he said, Chief... There is this battle going on inside me. There are are times when I wanna do what is right, and there are other times when I wanna do what is wrong. It's like these two dogs are fighting, and there's this black dog who wants to do what's bad, and this, this white dog who wants to do what's good and right, and they're tearing me apart, chief. I need to know which dog is gonna win. The chief wisely says, the one you feed. Isn't that true? There are things we can do to feed our new nature. There are things we can do to help us change and become the people God intended us to be. There are things we can do to help us fight the battles in our lives, and we're gonna talk about that in just a moment, but take a look at something else we learned from the story of Jericho, that like Joshua, we have a leader to serve. We have a battle to fight, and we have a leader to serve. It says that when Joshua was near Jericho, he looks up, and he sees a man, a man who identifies himself as the commander of the Lord's army, and he has what in his hand? He has a drawn sword in his hand. The question is, who is this man? Well, according to many Bible commentators, and I would agree with their observation, this is actually Jesus Christ. You see, there are a number of times in the Old Testament where Jesus actually appears in human form, and this is before his birth in Bethlehem. You may remember a message a number of months ago Uh, about Daniel and his friends thrown into the fiery furnace and there's a fourth person that appears in the furnace, that was Jesus. Walking in the fire with them, there are strategic times in the Old Testament where Jesus shows up to accomplish God's purpose in the lives of God's people. And this is another example of that. And notice the question that Joshua asks. He says, "Um, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Now that seems like a strange question. If this is Jesus, you would think automatically that Jesus is is for Israel, right? But notice the answer that this man, Jesus, gives. Neither, but as the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. Now there is profound truth in this answer. So often in our battles, we have our own battle plan. Isn't that true? And we pray and we say, hey Jesus, you're on my side, right? You're going to help me execute this battle plan? Well, what Jesus says to Joshua makes it clear that that Jesus is not here to help us execute our plan. He's here to help us execute his plan. Think about this. How many of you have ever been to a football game? High school, college, professional. Have you ever noticed that people will be praying for both sides to win? Have you ever prayed for your team to win? Come on. All right. Now, think about this. Let's give you a hypothetical. Let's say that the FSU Seminoles are playing the Hurricanes. Whose side has God on? I think the answer should be quite obvious, but it's not the answer you think, because he's on neither side. And here's why. When Jesus shows up in our lives, he's not showing up to take sides. He's showing up to take charge. Now, notice something else in Joshua's response. He says, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Now, if you fast forward to the end of the book of Joshua, there's a very dramatic thing that unfolds there. Joshua is now an old man, and he's addressing the nation of Israel, and he's talking about their future and the choices they have to make, and he says, listen, you need to choose today who you're going to serve. Either you can serve the gods of your forefathers, those false gods beyond the Jordan River, or You can serve the one true and living God. And then Joshua makes this powerful and personal statement. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, in that statement is really the essence of the gospel. Because the gospel is really this question. Who are you going to serve? Who sets the agenda for your life? Really? Really? Think about that, the the goals that you have, the priorities that you have, what you do with your time, what you do with your gifts and abilities, what you do with your financial resources, who determines that? Is it you or is it Jesus? You see, the Bible tells us that we come into this world with a heart that wants to set its own agenda. We want to do what we want to do. We want to go our own way. And in fact, the Bible says that's exactly what all of us have done. We're compared to sheep. We've wandered away from God. Now we're lost. And I think it's really kind of intriguing that sheep have no homing instinct. You've probably all read stories about dogs and cats, and they wander hundreds of miles away, and they find their way home. Sheep can't do that. When a sheep gets lost, it will die unless it is rescued. And that is the beauty of the gospel. Jesus says, I am the good what? Shepherd. I came to seek and to save these lost sheep. In fact, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. And that's what happens. The good shepherd, the perfect shepherd, lives a life that we couldn't live. A life completely honoring to God. And then he's willing to go to a cross to die in our place so that we can have our relationship with God Restored. Now, if you want to become a Christian, you essentially have to say, God, I'm a dumb sheep. Yeah, I've gone my own way. And I understand that I'm separated from you because of my sin, and I deserve your your punishment, which is to die to be separated from you forever. But I believe that Jesus is my shepherd, that he died for my sins, that he came to find me, and I want to follow him, and I want him to set the agenda for my entire life. That's what Joshua does. He falls to the ground and says, what message do you have for your servant? And that brings us to this this next lesson that we learn from the story. Like Joshua, we have a victory ahead. We have a victory ahead. Now here's how the story continues at the beginning of chapter 6. And this is a remarkable story. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. They're on lockdown. They're under siege. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see... I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Now here's the battle plan. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. That's the ark of the covenant. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And here's how this continues. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So how does this battle plan work out? Well, it says in verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Take a look at this question on your outline. How can we win this battle we have to fight? God gave Joshua and Israel a great victory. They won the battle. How can we win the battles in our lives? And church, let me say this. What we're going to look at for the next couple of minutes is not a one time deal. It's a way of life. This is something you can do every single day that you get up because you know what? You may win this battle, but there's another one coming. This is a way of living in the victory that God has promised us. So here's the first thing to do from this story look up and see Jesus. Look up and see Jesus. This is what happens. To Joshua, Look at verse 13 again. It says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. When Joshua was near Jericho, what do you think Joshua was looking at before he looked up? What do you think he was looking at? What is he near? This is, this is not a trick question. Okay, he's near Jericho. What is he, what is he looking at? Jericho. Okay, he's looking at Jericho, and then he looks up and he sees Jesus, and here's what I was thinking as I read that passage. You know, so often in our lives, when there's a battle in front of us, what are we looking at? The battle. We're looking at the discouragement. We're looking at the doubt. We're looking at the fear. We're looking at the anxiety. We're looking at this relationship that is broken, because that's our Jericho. We're looking at these walls that we want to fall down. So what do we need to do? Not look at the Jericho, but look at what? Look at Jesus. Because when when Joshua looks away from Jericho and looks to Jesus, what does he see? He sees Jesus with a a drawn sword in his hand. We we sang a song earlier today, the God of angel armies is where? It's always by by my side. If you're a Christian this morning, the God of angel armies, Jesus Christ, is always by your side. And he is there to help you. But you've gotta to look to him and talk to him. And so let me ask you this. Think about the Jericho that you're facing right now, whatever it is, a relationship, maybe it's finances or health or whatever. What are you looking at? You're Jericho or Jesus? Corrie Ten Boom, a lady who survived a Nazi concentration camp, said this one time. When you look at the world, you'll be distressed. When you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. And that is so true. The Bible compares this life that we live to a race and it says this in the book of Hebrews, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, fixing our eyes where? On Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Listen, to win the battle that you're facing right now the first thing you need to do is look up and see Jesus and here's the second thing to do fall down and worship Jesus fall down and worship Jesus when Joshua asked a man standing in front of him are you for us or for our enemies this is what he is told neither but as commander of the army of the Lord I have now come and notice Joshua's response then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, in worship, and ask him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Let me ask you this, why are we here today? Why are we here? And what I'm thinking of, the answer that I'm looking for, has seven letters and starts with a W. Yes, worship. Because worship is an opportunity For us to express our love to God, to sing to God, to say, God, we need you, we love you, please talk to us, please help us, right? We pour out our hearts to God, but do you realize that worship is an opportunity for God to pour out his heart to us? In fact, the Bible says that if we will draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Now, look inside your program this morning. If you've got a bulletin there, um, there's something called the order of, of service, order of worship, and there's different things that happen that take place. Um, A little more than halfway down is something called The Message. Pastor Dudley Hodges, do you see that? Every single Sunday, there's a part of the worship service that we call The Message. It's not called The Sermon because it's not just my ideas. It is a message that comes from God through me to you because I am God's messenger. It is an incredible privilege and an incredible responsibility that God has given me to actually communicate his word to our church family. And notice what what Joshua says. He falls down in worship and he says, well, Lord, what message do you have for me? Every single Sunday that we come to this place, that should be what we're doing. As we worship, we should be saying, Lord, what message do you have for me today? Last two weeks, my wife Chris and I were Away, we were out in Wyoming, and it was a. Just, I'm searching for the right words, the right adjectives to describe the the time that we had there. It was restorative, it was encouraging, it was beautiful. Um, we had gone there initially to do um, a special ceremony for for some dear friends. Many of you know Dick and kamamastoy It was her 40th wedding anniversary. And they've been going to Wyoming for years, and so I had the privilege of doing a, a ceremony for them to renew their vows. And then Chris and I headed to, um, to Yellowstone National Park, and it was just a tremendous time. We saw all kinds of animals and just the glory of God's nature. And as I was there, I was, I was thinking about all of you and was so thankful. Um, we're sharing with our staff and our leaders this morning, you know, when Chris and I were away, we were so thankful that our church is in capable hands. And, and so thankful for each one of you just being faithful to what God's called us to do as a church body. But I was thinking about this message and I've been thinking about it for two weeks now. And I've been praying and saying, you know, God, what message do you want me to bring to your people, the people who are gathered here? But at the same time, I was, I was doing this. I was saying, God, what message do you have for me personally? Um, my wife, Chris, and I spent three days, just the two of us, and I was praying, Lord, what message do you have for me and Chris? Because we are your servants. And church, the reality is that we face battles. I face battles. Chris faces battles. We, we face them individually. We face them together. Nobody is exempt from the struggles of this world. And, and I told Chris, I said, you know, I've been praying because I want this to be not just a sermon, but really a pattern for us that when we wake up in the morning, we look up and we see Jesus and then we say, what message do you have for your servant? How do I live this day? How do I fight this battle? What do I do about this Jericho? Because right now, I've got this this giant Jericho in my life. And I prayed and I prayed and said, God, what do I do? What's your message? And it was so clear I told Chris, three times I have prayed that, and three times God has basically given me the exact same impression, and it was this. Dudley, if you want to fight the Jericho, fast and pray. Makes sense, doesn't it? We went through a, a journey, 40 days of prayer. Remember that, church? Hope you do. we we'll learned some great things about prayer. We talked about prayer and fasting and how when you fast and pray, there is a power in that, It shows God that you're really, really serious. And listen, this morning, there may be a Jericho in your life, something so big, something that seems so impossible, you don't think the walls are ever going to fall down. What do you do? You look up and see Jesus, and then you say, Lord, what is your message for your servant? And it could be that he will say to you, fast and pray. Because I know this, in the battles that we fight, we only have two weapons. We have prayer and we have the Word of God. We have God's truth that transforms our thinking and we have prayer. And I believe that prayer has incredible, incredible power. And as we pray, we need to remember to whom we are praying. The God who is mighty in battle. The God who sent his son to seek us and to save us. The God who can make the walls fall down. But for that to happen, We have to also do this, and this is the last thing in your outline. We have to move ahead in faith. I mean, we've got to look up and see Jesus, and we've got to hit the deck. We've got to fall down and worship, but then it's time to get up and move ahead in faith. Look at these verses again. It says this. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, shout for the Lord has given you the city." Now this is really important to note. This is the context for the story. The Israelites who are marching around Jericho are not the same Israelites who marched around in the desert for forty years. And people often don't realize that. They're actually the children of the Israelites who marched around in the desert for forty years the people who were delivered from slavery in Egypt, those were their parents. You see, 40 years before, the first generation, the moms and dads, they stood right there by the Jordan River. And they knew that God had commanded them to take the promised land. I promised you this land. I will go with you. I will fight for you and with you. And so what they did, they sent some spies. Some of you know the stories. They sent how many spies did they send out? 12, 12 spies. And 10 came back and, and they said this. They said, you know what? God's telling us the truth. This is a beautiful land. There's incredible abundance there. It flows with milk and honey. But there are these fortified cities. There are people who are giants. There's no way we can take the land. There's no way we can win this battle. But then there were two other spies, Caleb and Joshua. And they had what you might call the minority report. And they said, You know what? We saw the same thing that the other spies saw. But with eyes of faith, we believe that God will give us this land, that he will fight this battle, and we will win. So who did Israel listen to? Not Caleb and Joshua. And because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience, they died in the desert. Every single one of them, except for who? Caleb and Joshua, who now is poised to lead the battle of Jericho. And I think there's such an important principle there. Every generation has to face the same choice. Are we going to live in fear or are we going to live in faith? And as you face your Jericho today, whatever it is, ask yourself that question, am I living in fear or am I living in faith? Faith in a God who can do more than I can ask or even imagine. And think about this. In order to experience this this victory, the Israelites have to follow God's battle plan. And, And I think about Um, what it would actually be like. Whenever I'm reading these stories, I kind of put myself in the story. Imagine getting up. You know, it's Monday morning. Okay, get up. Time to march around the city. So you march around the city. Next Tuesday morning. Get up. Time to march around the city. By the time Thursday, Friday rolls around, I'm not too happy about getting up and marching around the city because I don't see much happening. It's like, are you serious? Got to march around the city again? Does that ever happen to you? You're fighting this battle? You're marching around Jericho. You get up and you say, God, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to do what honors you, but I don't see anything happening here, God. The Israelites kept marching. And in God's way and in God's time, what happened to the walls? Yeah, they came tumbling down. And listen, today you may be tired of marching, You may be tired of believing. You may be tired of hoping that God will come through. But don't give up. Don't quit marching. Because realize this, it was on the seventh day, they had to march around the city how many times? Seven times. I've experienced this in my own life, that Usually it's the hardest just before the walls fall down. So here's what I encourage you to do. Get up and look up and see Jesus. Fall down and worship him and then get up and move ahead in faith because you never know. This may be the day that the walls fall down. And let me just, let me close with this thought. I read a story this week about a pastor. His name is Bruce Larson. And he would often talk to people as he counseled them about two ways they could live. And we talked about it. You can live in fear or you you can live in what? In faith. And he would actually take them out of his office. He had an office in New York City. And he would take them there on Fifth Avenue to the RCA building to see a statue. It's a statue of Atlas holding the world on his shoulders. And he would say, look, here's how you can live. This is your choice. You can try to live holding the world on your own shoulders. And then he would take him across the street to the other side of Fifth Avenue to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the altar was a statue of Jesus as a boy, eight or nine years old. And here's a picture of that statue. What is Jesus holding in his hand? The world. And the choice is clear. We can live like this. We can try to hold the pressures and the problems and the pain and the battles on our own shoulders or we can take our lives, take our world, take our battles and put them in the powerful hand of Jesus. Let's pray. God, what an incredible story. What an incredible encouragement for us this morning. And Lord, I just pray this for each one of us, whatever the battle may be. Would you please help us, God? Help us keep marching. Help us keep believing. Help us keep trusting you that in your way and in your time, you will keep your promises to us. Lord, I I pray too for the person here who maybe for the first time has understood that, that they are the lost sheep. And that they need a shepherd who loves them. And I pray, Lord, that today they would just come to you and say, Jesus, I need you. I got so many battles that I'm fighting right now, and and I just want to say I'm a dumb sheep, and I've sinned, and, and I'm lost, and I need a shepherd. I need a savior. I believe you died for me, and I want to follow you. Lord, you always hear that prayer. You run to rescue us. And God, for those of us who have trusted Jesus It doesn't exempt us from the battles of this life. We know that there is a great victory ahead when Jesus returns, but until that day, God, please give us wisdom and strength. God, give us grace to fight the battles that you allow to come into our lives. And Father, I pray that through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, that we will believe that Jesus is our Savior, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. For we pray in his name. Amen. Church, let's stand and sing our last song together.